0: I would like to welcome you all very warmly to this retreat here at Gaia House. My name is Yanai and this is Kirsten, who, uh, and together we'll be uh, leading this retreat. Very happy that Kirsten is joining me and has been teaching together with me for the last uh, two years or so now, and uh, it's rather a good-sized group. It's great to have the support and input that she can offer, which is uh, wonderful. Um just want to check as I begin, can you hear me clearly at the back? Is the volume coming through all right? And just to let you know that if anyone's feeling like it's a long way back there and there are one or two spaces a little closer up, you may not wish to be any closer, but if you did wish to be, the opportunity or the possibility is there. We'd like to take some time to just speak about the retreat this weekend that we'll be spending together, what we'll be doing, and reflect a little bit on... The process, and then we'll take a little time at the end of speaking to just do a little meditation practice together. This is the the weekend entitled Loving Kindness Weekend, or Weekend for the Cultivation of Loving Kindness. This is a practice that the Buddha encouraged as something really beneficial and wholesome for us. And so, before speaking about the the practice itself, I'd like to reflect a little bit on what's involved in being on retreat, that this is also something which is really beneficial, which can be very wholesome and supportive. And for some of you, I know this will be quite a familiar process, something you've done perhaps plenty of times before, For others of you, and quite a number of you, this may be the very first time you're doing something like this, and there may be a little bit of a sense of, well, you I can't wait to get here, and then you get here, and it's all a little bit unusual or strange, or you kind of wonder, what's it going to be like? So uh, I'd like to allay any concerns you might have with regard to that. In fact, what we'll be doing here is something that's been done by people like ourselves, like you and like me, for hundreds and in fact thousands of years to take some time to step out of the busyness, the pressures, the intensity of our ordinary lives and all the demands that they can present or face us with. And turn our focus more towards what's possible for us in the inner life, we could say. Within the heart and mind, what's the potentiality? What's the possibility of our human existence? It can often be that we are so busy and pressured with just meeting the needs of survival, of getting it together to maintain sort of body and home and get or keep or fulfil the obligations of a job or a career or a family or a relationship, many different things that we may wish and appropriately wish to have in our lives. But it can easily be that all that activity somehow fills it up and we wonder, is there more? than that, to life. So coming coming to Guy House, coming on a retreat like this, is an opportunity to, to somewhat step away from all of that, to seclude ourselves in a certain way, without seeking to escape from or get away from our lives. Because in fact, we can't do that. If you came here thinking, great, I'm going to get away from my life, the mind... Heart, body that you have in your life is the same mind, heart, body that's going to be here. So you're not going to escape that. But what we can seclude ourselves from or to some extent get distance from through being on a retreat is the the very many things that can seem to impinge upon us from the world that place demands upon us and equally the the compelling habits that often carry us into ways of action of behavior of responding and reacting that we recognize don't serve us but don't necessarily know how to free ourselves from it's very easy to live our life reactively and habitually and to find that that a life lived in that way is is not deeply satisfying to our hearts that we can have a sense of something more that might be possible and on a retreat, really the, the underlying intention, and with this retreat, is to to grow and to deepen in that which is possible for us, that is wholesome, that is beneficial. And the cultivation, the development of loving kindness is certainly this. So to support this, having this sense of aspiration, this possibility, I, I referred just before to the Buddha. who The Buddha was a human being, like ourselves. He wasn't some sort of extra-human being, or sort of something outside of what, or beyond what is possible for any of us to be. But through his own commitment, through his own aspiration and exploration, came to discover for himself what is possible for a human heart and mind, and shared that with others who have shared it with others through the generations so that we have the opportunity to explore that for ourselves and so the sense of what's our potential as human beings what's the potential of our lives for deepening and growing in loving kindness this is really the the question or the the intention the aspiration that stands at the in a way the gateway to this retreat that you're invited to embark upon to enter into In order for this retreat to support us all to the greatest degree possible, there are ways that we can be here together that over the years, and in fact, you know, decades and centuries, have been explored and understood to be really supportive for this process, really helpful. And they allow us to create an outer framework within which we can do the inner work of practice the first of the elements of these of this outer framework is that we ask everyone here to undertake to refrain from causing harm to each other or to ourselves so far as we are able to do so to refrain from causing harm and i think neil giving the uh, opening coordinator's talk would have mentioned the precepts we always uh, mention them at this time and I just like to say a little bit more about them. There's something really beautiful in the way that we can make that intention to not cause harm, to not cause suffering to others or ourselves so far as possible. And to, to really see it in relationship to the five precepts as that intention. So that we, in undertaking to refrain from harming or taking the life of living beings, there's a sense of really respecting and caring for any life we encounter in just the same way we would wish our own life to be respected, to be cared for. That sense of caring that would not wish to harm. And that sense that we care for our own lives and that's why we don't wish to be harmed. And all beings share this from the you know, other beings that we see sort of sitting around us, amongst us right now to the very smallest of creatures for whom their life is also precious. And so really doing what we can to be sensitive, respectful and caring, to support them, not causing to harm or to take their lives, if we can possibly avoid it. Refraining from taking that which isn't freely offered to us, understanding that we all suffer if the things that are ours get taken or abused or misplaced, we all get are irritated or upset if our things disappear. So to be respectful for other people's things in that same spirit. And here at Guy House there's a lot of things that belong to the you know, to the organisation, the institution. Sometimes you we think, well, you know, we can treat them differently, but to see being respectful to things even if no one owns them, if they're not ours, it's a way of respecting material things, which all of us depend upon, rely upon for taking care of ourselves. The third precept is to refrain from harmful expressions of sexuality, which in the context of the retreat means refraining from intentional sexual activity. Not because there's something wrong or bad or unspiritual about sexuality. It's a perfectly natural and can be quite a beautiful and wonderful part of our lives if we choose to explore it. But in the context of being in retreat, there's something very supportive in Staying with ourselves and not kind of be looking outwardly for gratification or stimulation or fulfillment so much as we're often used to. And sometimes we can notice that there's a way in which we relate to people looking, you know, is this person interesting to me in that particular way. And here, just to put that down, so far as we can, what what arises arises. We can't, you know, stop our minds course, that's what our minds do sometimes. But just knowing our intention is not to follow that. As a way of respecting each other and respecting ourselves. And, and in that, outside of the context of retreat, then it's just simply being respectful and seeking to avoid causing harm through sexuality. The fourth precept is to refrain from causing harm through speech. And to... To use speech where we do so here on the retreat, which you may think, there's not much risk about that, you know, we're going to be in silence. But to see that the times when we might speak, just to be respectful and sensitive and to speak what is true. So much suffering can be caused in just a misplaced word or a word that doesn't quite speak the truth. And we remember afterwards that we've not quite said it as it was and we sometimes don't feel good about that. And the fifth precept is to refrain from the use of alcohol, drugs or intoxicants. To not be using substances which can cloud the mind and may lead to carelessness and things that cause harm to others lead to regret and suffering for ourselves and others. That doesn't mean to uh, refrain from using any medication that you're taking for your physical or um, psychological well-being. Please continue to do so. That's an appropriate precept. Thing to do in any circumstance, but more the sense of how we sometimes use substances to s- escape from or avoid our experience. And again, for some of you, you might think, well, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> that's quite straightforward, s- straightforward and obvious. But for others, there might be a challenge, and there may be people here who've made a commitment for this weekend to let go of something that they habitually tend to use, or maybe in their life have made commitments in that regard. And there's a way in which we support each other by making that commitment together. There's something really beautiful, something very powerful and profound, in fact, in doing that. And so this sense of non-harming, that these, these are particular expressions of it which we ask everyone here, those of you as you are here coming on a retreat, but equally the staff who live and work here, we ask them equally to abide by and respect those precepts while they're as an expression of respect for each other, also as a way of creating a sense of safety and trust that allows us to, to be open, to be perhaps a little more vulnerable, to take the risk of not needing to defend ourselves in the way that we often do in a world where we can't rely on other people to have that intention, to have that commitment of refraining from causing harm. And so it's actually something really beautiful that we offer to each other as well as to ourselves. That sense of offering a sense of harmlessness equally offers the gift of fearlessness, that we don't need to be afraid of each other and others don't need to be afraid of us. And equally and in some ways even more important or certainly equally important, we don't need to be afraid of ourselves in the sense of afraid that we might act in ways that we later regret because of having made that commitment so I'd just like to express my appreciation for your willingness to undertake that which I'm aware that you're you know, informed about this and uh, hopefully aware of it before you come but certainly now I'm hopefully clear with that so there's a sense of safety a sense of space here that we respect each other Together with that, which I already referred to, and you'll be aware of also, the silence as another foundation for being here together. This is the one that for many people who are coming the first time, there's a sense of, I'm not sure about that, it sounds kind of strange, how am I going to do it? And probably there's quite a few of you who have been confidently assured by your friends, family, partners, silent for a whole weekend, you? No way. Or maybe we have those doubts, there might be amongst you those who have that doubt themselves. Can I do it? What will it be like? So with silence, it's really an invitation to be with yourself and a support to be in contact with your own experience. So easily when we're in conversation and our habitual mode of relating, we get kind of pulled out into the stories, into the dance, so to speak, of Try to generate the conversation that we hope for, or the image, and present the image that we would like to present. Hoping that others will like or appreciate us, fearing that they might not, and trying to get it right. And it can be sometimes very lovely, sometimes really awkward, and sometimes just, you know, somewhat boring and in between. That whole conversational thing. And it's, again, an offering to ourselves and to each other to just put it down and see, well, what's it like to be with ourselves? In this practice, we're not seeking to avoid each other or in any way have a sense that we're not in relationship with each other because clearly we are. But not needing to seek some affirmation from each other all the time as to that we're okay. And to really allow ourselves to trust that even without seeking or getting that affirmation all the time, that actually we are okay. That there's something intrinsic in that okayness. That we can come to understand. When we simply trust it. And so there's this. Way in which. We spend time. By ourselves. And yet at the same time. We're equally with each other. So we support each other. In doing this practice. You know classically. To do a meditation retreat. One would. You know go off to a cave. Or to a mountain. Into the forest. By oneself. And. Well, that might be an option we'd choose, but probably lots of us, we'd find that really difficult. So here we can do it together. So there's a sense of solitude through the silence, and yet the sense of support and sense of community that can come with that. And for many people, although how and when this might happen, one can't be sure, entering into silence for the first time, there can be a little bit of a sense of discomfort. Well, how do I do this, you know? Is it okay to look at people? Should I not? Should I? What if I accidentally bump into someone and say, sorry, have I broken the rules? You know. So just to know, the intention is to refrain from engaging in conversation with each other. It's quite simple. If there's some practical thing you need to resolve with um, one of the staff, the coordinators, of course you can go to reception and speak to them. Or leave them a note. There'll be opportunities to speak with Kirsten and with myself during the retreat and we'll meet with you and there'll be time to talk and that will be, of course, the, you know, very much part of what we'll be doing together. But apart from that, there's a sense of just putting it down, making the intention. And with that, to include letting go, abandoning and absolutely giving up on your cell phones, your mobile phones, your... Blackberries and your portable computers which you may or may not have brought with you. Um, I really can't overstress that one. These days we're used to being hooked up wirelessly almost anywhere and everywhere. And as a consequence we're always engaging, relating, communicating, processing and we just get busier and busier when we do it. So I really ask you and uh, very, very strongly request that you just put it down for these two, three days, and see what happens. If there's anybody who doesn't know that you're going to be quiet for this weekend, you can give them a call or send them a text tonight and just let them know that you'll talk to them again Sunday afternoon or evening and that you'll be fine. And you will be. And so will they, interestingly enough. And if you don't think you can manage to do that, then give us your cell phone. Give us your mobile phone. Give us your BlackBerry. We promise we won't make any long international calls, but we will keep them safe and give them back to you, and you won't have to worry about it. And if anyone rings up and it's an emergency, we'll pass it on. But mostly that's not going to happen. It's just like, ah, huh, putting this down. And so then what's it like to be together with a group of people and not be talking with them? Doing something, shared, a shared activity, but not talking with them. The general suggestion I make is to just acknowledge that people are here, but not to feel like you have to engage with them or disengage from them. So it might mean at times you look at someone and they don't look back. It might mean you don't want to look at someone and that's really okay. It's not like you have to keep your eyes down and not look at anybody. But if you do look up and see people, they might see you, or they might be having their attention more focused inwardly. And they have permission to go either way with that. If you bump into someone and accidentally say, oops, that's all right. It's not the end of the world. It's like you've done some heinous crime. But just seeing what it's like, even if you bump into someone to not say, whoops, sorry. Just assume they know you're sorry. I mean, this is England. <laughs> and just with that also, I'd invite you, if you like, you don't have to, right? Just take a moment to look around. Been sitting here together now for a little while. Just see who else is here. You don't have to look at everyone. You might not want to look at anyone. But these people that you're going to spend these days with. I mean, Kirsten and I you are going to have to look at quite a lot. Because we're going to be sitting in front of you. But uh, we get to see all of you. But just... Notice what it's like. We might have a sense of pleasant warmth. There might be a sense of, "Mm, who are they? Or a sense of, I don't know how to do this. Or a sense of, you know, scary, scary, people, help. Um, You know, we have a range of responses to people, don't we? And it's okay. Just whatever's there, it's fine. You don't have to do this differently than how it is for you. But notice also what it's like to do that quietly with a sense of kindness and in the way of just staying with oneself but also seeing what else is here we can sometimes associate silence with a sense of having being punished or people being angry with us or not liking us they you know people not talking to us is something used quite cruelly at times as when we're children and equally as adults sometimes and that's really not what this is about so that's why it's important that we we be clear about that. And the third element of the, the, really the framework of the retreat, together with the precepts and the silence that we ask you all to undertake, and actually just to finish with the silence, particularly if you've come with a friend, or a partner, or a family member, or someone who you've just met who you'd quite like to get to know better, to make you know to have the agreement with them that this doesn't mean you're not friends anymore or you weren't interested to make friends with them. It's just, for now, we're not going to talk. And that's, again, a real offering, a real gift to each other, to be able to be together in this way. And interestingly, I remember observing long before I got into silent retreats, but noticing that, actually, the friends I was closest with, I was quite happy to sit there silently with sometimes. There's something quite special about that quality of being together where we don't need to be filling the space between us. Because we recognize there's something that's in that space, that's really the quality of the relationship. And that's something that we have the potential to discover here, together. And the third element, which I was just about to speak before I got diverted back onto that one, um, the third element is simplicity. To keep it simple here. There'll be plenty of open space in the day where it doesn't seem like there's too much going on. For most of us, our habit is to find something to do, to get busy, and I'd really encourage you not to do that. In support of that, to refrain from reading and writing. If you've brought a book to read or a book to write in, just leave it in your bag. Don't get it out till we're finished on Sunday afternoon. There's a way in which we kind of feed on language, depend on it, so somehow either explain to us what's going on or give us a sense of meaning or a sense of meaningful activity. And yet, our although again, like speech, which is wonderful and useful and has its place, nothing wrong with it. Likewise, the written word or language itself starts to become something that becomes between us and our life very easily. And so just putting it down to stay more in contact with or make ourselves open and available to the actuality of our experience which is something really important here, something very powerful. And that really serves the process of connecting with our natural capacity for kindness and caring. To be in contact with our own experience is really a foundation for that. And we'll be using words, we'll be using language in this practice. So it's not like we'll have to abandon it altogether. But just again, giving ourselves the space of putting down what's not necessary here. And so refraining from reading and writing, refraining from the need to feel that we have to keep all our socks sort of ironed and stacked in nice, nice, neat little piles. And that might sound like a strange sort of idea, but it's interesting what one's mind comes up with in the space of sometime after lunch when there's nothing to do. Maybe I'll go and fold my laundry, even though I haven't you know, actually got any laundry yet. Some of you will know what I'm talking about. So it's like this space here. It's a profound gift to yourselves to each other to all of us a sense of space of just not having to fill things up fill up with too many things to do and see what that's like for us and then within the sense of silence precepts and safety simplicity non-busyness <coughs> That's really a foundation in which we can engage meaningfully, transformatively in in inner practice. And so all these things really we set up out of a sense of caring for ourselves, for our lives and for the potential that's here for us on this weekend. Ourselves individually and equally ourselves as a group. Having Having a sense of that, that yeah, we're creating something together here. Something that is actually quite beautiful and noble. And within this we can cultivate loving kindness. We can embark on this journey together to come to know more fully for ourselves what is the potential of our hearts for kindness, for caring, for warmth, for friendliness. What it would be like to, to begin to free the heart, to free our life from the sense of fear, or the sense of contraction or disconnection that we can often experience, to start to release the weight of the past that we often carry in judgment or anger towards ourselves and towards others, to really sense what forgiveness might be, and how that can liberate us. And to more and more get to know, to feel and to understand for ourselves in our own experience what it is to be connected with a sense of caring to others, to ourselves, to all beings and all of life. The sense of this quality of loving kindness that that cares for the well-being, that wishes for the happiness of others and ourselves, is something precious and beautiful and within us all. And so, really, this is what this weekend will be dedicated to—to to exploring, to discovering, to nourishing. And so, I think I'd like to pass over to Kirsten now. Is it close enough for
1: me? Um, yeah. Welcome. Can everyone hear me? Is the mic close enough to my mouth? Yeah. I just want to extend a very, very warm welcome to all of you, and I feel really privileged to have been asked to help Janai here on this weekend, and really looking forward to our time together. And just before we came down to the hall, we were speaking about how we divide the opening talk and Jana said, Yo, you can ask a little you know, you can speak a little bit about the benefits of loving kindness. And there are actually there is a list of classic benefits mentioned by the Buddha, and I just want to share them. Maybe you know if you get them a little bit, you know, keen and eager. So what he said loving kindness, the practice of loving kindness will bring a clear complexion. Good sleep. You will be attractive. You will have pleasant dreams. And you will be safe from snakes and spiders. <laughs> and it's, it might seem quite funny, you know, but I really like them, you know, especially the good complexion one really <laughs> speaks to me. But, you know, having said this, you know, I also really want want to acknowledge what it actually also will bring and what it takes is actually a lot of fearlessness, courage, and wisdom. And the Buddha mentions them too, of course. And there is a courage actually, really, a courage in what you did to come here to this week and to step out and to explore maybe different kinds of relating to your life and what it brings to you like stepping out of your habitual patterns which very often are based on a sense of fear, isolation, doubt and anxiety for many of us at times, not always of course. And by practicing loving kindness, we actually express a certain wisdom and courage and we also cultivate wisdom and courage. And the willingness to explore loving kindness, what this means, what this might mean, is the opposite of closing down. It's the opposite of Actually shutting down to experience, which again we are doing very often so habitually because we think we can't really cope with it. And it recognizes that we all have a common ground. We might be very different, we might look very different, we might have very different lives at home, but we share the wish to be happy. And we all share the wish to be free from pain and suffering. I mean, can you get the sense of it? This is really a common theme we all have. We want to be happy. We want to be free from pain and suffering. And as Jana mentioned before, this is a wish which is shared by all sentient beings. So, we all share this wish and we want to acknowledge this wish, and yet the ways we go about it are very often very unskillful. But even with our insufficient and maybe very unskillful ways, can we just let it drop for now, for this weekend, and really try to open as much as possible to this innate wish and all of us to be happy? And for me personally, um, I think that love and kindness is a very, very powerful practice. It has an immense potentiality to heal, and it has an immense potentiality to actually transform our life, how we see ourselves, how we see others, and how we see the world around us. And really an invitation for our time together to open up to this possibility. Are we ready to actually be open to this possibility? There's something which really can change, can transform how I look at life. So loving kindness is something, and I just really mentioned this, you, know, you might come with all kinds of assumptions, you might have practiced a lot of loving kindness, you might think, I just want to cultivate like this, this quality of my heart and my mind, or you might have the assumption, I don't have any loving kindness and I have to go on a retreat to get it. But actually, I would rather formulate it in ways like loving kindness is an ability we all have, it's innate in us. It's a potential which is always there to be cultivated and to flourish. And this is what we want to do together. And you can start wherever you are. Completely fine. You start wherever you are. Loving kindness sometimes has this connotation. Of course, there is a lot of openness, care in it, of being quite soft and maybe a little bit mushy. But actually, especially in the face of difficult situations, in the face of difficult inner experience, difficult outer experiences, what you actually need in your loving kindness, what you will see, it actually requires a lot of strength. It is very empowering. And the ability to stay open which is an ability of loving-kindness, gives confidence to face difficulties. And, yeah, so I would really um, encourage you to give yourself as much as possible to this practice. And I mentioned we might cultivate a good complexion. We might look more attractive. We might develop courage and wisdom. But all of these qualities in this one might be there, courage, wisdom, fearlessness, connectedness, or they might be actually not a reality in your experience right now. And this is fine. This is where we start. One quality of loving kindness is to be actually (coughs) open to what is right now and even if it's the absence of any feeling of loving kindness. That's where we start. That's where we are here now. Tiredness, restlessness, boredom. Opening up to it. And this opening, again and again, opening with the Quality as much as possible of curiosity, interest, care. This is an expression of loving kindness. So um, I wish you a really wonderful weekend and really looking forward in our practice together towards openness and care. Thank you. Oh, sorry.
0: Hmm. So we've been sitting down for a little while now. It might be, uh, for some of you, that feels like quite a while, and i would like to invite you to do if you wish, you don't have to, is take a moment to stand up and stretch. We're going to be here for another 15 or 20 minutes probably, maybe not quite that long, we'll see. But uh, just right now, don't go anywhere if you can manage to not disappear, that would be helpful. But if you want to stretch or just listen to your body, see if you want to move or shake or do whatever it feels like it needs to do. Sometimes fine, good to just uh, move it around a bit. And see if there's anything that feels tight or sore, or stiff. <coughs> mm. It's important when we practice, we don't have a sense of battling against our bodies. And, uh, so, doing what we do in either staying still or moving as a way of caring for, supporting the well being of this physical form that we have to practice in and with. And just sense if there's something you'd like to do with your body, it's okay to do it. There's no no rules about this too much, as long as it doesn't involve impacting anyone else. Just notice what it's like as you do that, to just kind of go with what your body might like to do right now, stretching, moving, just staying still, a sense of permission, a sense of friendly allowing, of just, yeah, it's okay. And without needing to rush when you feel like you've done what you need to do, you're very welcome then to return to a sitting posture. I'd like to just now speak a little bit about the meditation practice itself and then we'll take a little time to practice together. Cultivating loving kindness in common with really the cultivation of any inner qualities or capacities is founded on a capacity or ability we have to be connected with where we actually are, to be present And within that sense of being connected where we are, having an intention to develop or to cultivate a particular quality or capacity. And there's a a very particular form that we'll be using for the cultivation of loving kindness, but we'll begin that tomorrow. This evening what I'd like to support and encourage primarily is a sense of just landing with ourselves, of connecting with where we are in in the... Just as Kirsten was describing, allowing ourselves to be where we are. To get a sense of, well, what's it like for you just now? Like, how are you feeling? How's your body? Is it tired? Is it sore? Is it restless? You know, just taking a moment to notice. Well, that's what it feels like right now. And to see if in the noticing of that, there can be a sense of, like, as if you were interested in someone you cared about, and you asked them, well, how are you? Not, you know, your casual social, how are you? And you don't really listen to the answer. But if it's someone you cared for, maybe you haven't seen them for a while. And you would ask them, well, how are you? Because you're concerned for them, because you care about them. And maybe they say to you, oh, I'm feeling great. And you think, oh, how nice. Or they say, wow, I'm really having a hard time. And you think, oh, that's tough. Tell me about it. What would it be like to just bring your attention to your body in that spirit just now and just feel what it's like to be sitting here? Without any sense if it should feel good or bad, just how is it? And what's it like to bring your attention with that sense of caring interest into contact with your body? Just to feel that your bottom's on whatever it's sitting on. And it's fine to be sitting in a chair, sitting on a cushion, using a bench. And it's also fine to alternate between those forms if that's what works for you. We'll say more about it tomorrow. But for now, just, yeah, it's fine to be here as you are just having a sense of your body what's that like and then noticing also just how maybe your feeling life is the state of heart and mind like do you feel a sense of openness softness ease or might feel like it's kind of busy and full or tired and we can notice that's a little different than what we feel in our body like our mind might be spinning or it might be complaining or it might be grieving or hurting. Or it might be none of those things. It might just be, you know, wondering when's that guy at the front gonna stop talking? You know? That's okay too. You know, as I said, in about ten or fifteen minutes if you are wondering. But just that sense of okay, that's what it's like to be here right now. And again, like turning towards it with that sense of this is someone that I care about and I'm interested to know how they are. And this is how they are. It's not like someone else is going to answer but when we stop and let ourselves feel we just get a sense of that. Sometimes when we ask someone they might say I'm not quite sure. So if you're not quite sure, that's okay too. You can just I'm not quite sure how I am now. That's all right. You don't have to figure it out. You're not going to be examined on this. And so there's, okay, we're here. Just noticing what it's like to be sitting in your body, aware of how you are right now, to some degree at least. And then just feeling the posture, sensing the quality of uprightness in your body, something really helpful in that sitting upright, and yet also being relaxed. So we're grounded because we're sitting on the ground or the seat or the cushion or the bench. And we're upright. So there's some sense of space in the body. It's not sort of just crumbling over. But not rigidly. So there's a sense of ease or relaxation. Could soften the body. As if when we breathe in, let the body almost inflate and be upright. Then as you breathe out, just let your body relax around the outer. So allowing your face to relax. Allowing your jaw to relax. you breathe out, allowing your neck and shoulders to relax. You can't make them relax, don't force them to try and relax, but just inviting, allowing, supporting. And so we're upright and yet relaxed. And just being interested to notice what that's like, sitting still as we are. We can notice the breath that moves in our body. Quite naturally, organically, it does that. And just sensing what it's like to be sitting here, breathing. With a sense of care, with a sense of interest and concern. To know how it is right now, for you. For this body, heart and mind. That's right now perhaps the closest one to you. And settling into this quality of just being here. This possibility of just being here. Not trying to tighten the attention to focus into a specific part of the breath or body. Allowing it to be quite open and soft and yet interested. As if with the attention feeling the experience. It's like a way of expressing a sense of care and interest. In the same way that when we might wish someone to show they care, we'd like them to listen to us. That's how we know. Pay attention. That's how we know that they're interested and they care. Offering that to ourselves. Quite simply. And if after a few moments you notice your attention goes away, you start thinking about something else. Wondering about the past or the future. Just having noticed that, bring your attention back. Don't need to judge it. It's not that you've done anything wrong. Just begin again. Ah, here we are. Body sitting here. Upright, relaxed. Breathing in. Breathing out. Of sounds or thoughts or sensations elsewhere in the body arise, just oh, notice that happened. It's okay. Bring your attention into your body, feeling the breath moving. So, torso expands and contracts, rises and falls, moves with the breath. You may feel the inner of the breathing as the air moves through the throat into the lungs. We may feel the outer sense as the skin as your skin touches your clothing and moves against it. If you don't feel any sense of the breathing at all, you can bring your hand to rest gently on your belly or in the middle of your chest, just as a way of contacting the experience of breathing. If you find that's useful, you're very welcome to do so, but it's not required. And now we'll just sit together, quietly, in this way, for a few minutes. Gently, mindfully, with a caring interest, conscious of this experience right now. as if you were smiling towards your body and breath and yourself right now. Paying attention in that way. Reconnecting, relaxing back into conscious mindful contact with being here, sitting, breathing. staying in contact with this quality of caring, conscious presence. I'd just like to invite you to bring to mind that sense of how you yourselves wish for happiness and how all beings wish for happiness. As Kirsten was saying, how we share this together. It's one of the Universal principles that all of us care for our happiness and well-being. And so having a sense that we can wish this for ourselves and all beings, quite simply. And there's a chant that we'd like to finish the evening with. That expresses this in the language the the Buddha's teachings were recorded in Pali. It goes Sabe, Sata Sukito which means essentially or simply may all beings be happy. And so when we'll begin chanting this and you can join in, you're not obliged to if you don't want to. We'll chant for a few minutes together. But there's a way in which we can just wish happiness for others and including ourselves. Because we're wishing happiness for all beings, in this. And for now, just to see what that's like for you. You Don't have to expect it to have any particular effect or be profound or sublime. But just (coughs) can also be just quite simply fun to chant a little together.
2: Sabe, sata so keto. Sabe, sata so So join in when you pick it up. Sabe, sata so Sabe. Sata Sukito Sabe Sata Sukito Sabe Sata Sukito Sabe Sata Sata ta su Sabe Sata Sukito Sabe Sata Sukito Sabe Sata Sukito sa be sa ta su ki to sa sa Sata sa ta Sata ki
0: for you, but it's certainly lovely to feel the uh, voices coming together. I'm not particularly musically uh, competent we could say, but I still rather enjoy it. Um, Thank you, Kirsten. Um, So just a couple of practical things to mention before we finish. If you have any business you need to do in order to kind of get complete with whatever else is going on in your life, if you can do it tonight, that's great. Just so that the sense of tomorrow can be open for you and not with too much sort of clutter or busyness. If you have or if you're sharing a room with someone else or others, as most of you will be, and you need to negotiate something tonight about whether you have the room the window open or closed okay. or the whether you have the heater, the radiator turned on or not. It's fine to just do that as succinctly and briefly as as practically you know workable for you um, if you have to do that sort of thing, that's fine. And again, to do it tonight, rather than spending the whole weekend wishing the other person didn't open the window or closed it or kept it open or, or whatever else, it may be of course that one of you wants it open, the other one wants it closed, but if you know that, at least you'll understand what's going on, and uh, hopefully you can work out a compromise. Um, Tonight also, just if particularly if you're not familiar with Guy House, just tap it if you'd like to go for a little walk around the grounds or even just around the building and see if you can find your way back to where you started, you know, just just to get a sense of being familiar, um, please feel free and very welcome to do so. We'll begin tomorrow morning. Actually, no. Before I go into that. Just remember, there's two or three of you who we haven't yet received the registration or the interview form for, and we need that tomorrow morning in order to make the interview groups up. So I think there might be a notice for you on the notice board asking you what I'm about to say, but so just in case you didn't see it, um, please check the notice board, and if you could give the interview forms either bring them into reception tomorrow morning, or you can if you want <coughs> fold them up and pin them on the notice board for us. And if you could do that by the work period, um, so by the end of breakfast or at the very latest sometime in the work period, so we can we can work that out at that time, that would be great. Thank you. And so, yes, with the schedule for tomorrow, we'll have the wake-up bell tomorrow at 6.30 and first sitting at 7 o'clock in the morning, which might seem like a rather early time to be getting up on a Saturday morning for <coughs> some of you, but... Uh, In the context of meditation practice, and certainly the uh, tradition in Asia, getting up at 6.30 counts as having a good long lion, so I'd invite you to enjoy that opportunity. Um, And if things have been really quite full on or stressful or busy for you in recent times and you feel tired or exhausted, and it really feels like you you need a little extra sleep. It's fine to not come tomorrow morning to the first sitting. I'd really encourage you to come along because it's when we'll be beginning together. But there won't be anything that you'll miss that you won't be able to catch up on. And if what you really need is some sleep, that's okay. But just just check in with yourself and see what feels feels real and what feels true for you. Um, So you're very warmly invited to come along, but uh, we won't be coming looking for you if you're not there. Of course, that really goes for the whole day, but uh, the whole retreat. but in the morning we'll be practicing much as we were this evening there'll be a few minutes of um, instruction and guidance at the beginning, and then opportunity to continue to practice and we'll we'll bring in the the more formal um, loving kindness um, development practice from the period uh, following breakfast. So at 7.30 there will be breakfast and for those of you who need a little extra sleep I guess you can miss breakfast as well although somehow that always seems to be less likely. Um, I don't know why. Um, After breakfast at 8.15 the work period and really helpful for the coordinators. If you can check on the notice board when you need to turn up and where you need to turn up in order to get your instructions and I'm sure they've said this to you, but i just say it again, please be there on time because it really helps them to make the whole thing work. And it's a remarkable, um, in a way, juggling magic act to get 40 or 50 people organised and uh, doing what needs to be done in a relatively short amount of time. So thank you for your support with that and for the work that you offer as well. After the work period at 9.15, there's time just to sort of stop and clean up if you need and then at 9.30 we'll gather back together here in the hall for the for the sitting, first sitting after breakfast and at that time there'll be some quite full and detailed instructions for the meditation so it's important that you do come and be on time in order to hear what we'll be uh, speaking about and then the day will continue to unfold with mostly sitting and walking meditation meals and a Dharma talk in the evening uh, Dharma talk in the evening. So that that schedule should be posted on the notice board now if it wasn't when you came in and around the house in case you want to check but uh, nothing too complicated or surprising if you've uh, been on retreat before you'll probably recognize most of the key pieces. Um I think that's pretty much all that I needed to say at this point Kirsten are you aware of anything? No. To mention, okay. Does anyone have <clears throat> any questions or... Please, yeah, Megan? yoga. Neil uh-huh. said
1: we could do yoga before 7.30. Mm-hmm. So I was supposed to get up at half past five if we want to do yoga? Because we'd miss the sitting, wouldn't
0: we? we? Well, what that generally refers to... On full retreats, we, we sometimes have a room that's available for yoga at other times in the day. Mm-hmm. But if we were to have that room available, then four or five of you wouldn't be here. So... Uh, No, 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 I'm I'm kind of explaining for everyone. Yeah, so you can use the sitting room for doing yoga. And yes, after 7.30, it tends to be used by other people for sitting in. And so if you'd like to do some yoga in the morning, you can do so before 7 and come to the sitting. If you do it during the sitting, then that would be your choice. I'm not saying you should or shouldn't. Um, Other people sometimes find, not so often in winter, that um, one might do a... Certain parts of one's yoga practice outdoors um, during the day at any time is fine. Um, That's a little sort of less optimal in some ways, but uh, yeah, that's the situation. So you can use the use the lounge in the morning before breakfast, basically. That makes sense to everyone. Yeah, good. Any other questions? Or anything that wasn't clear from what we spoke about today or this evening? Good. Well, thank you for your attention. And uh, it's just quarter past nine. So uh, if you'd like to have a hot cup of tea or some other beverage, please feel very free and welcome to to do so. And I wish you a very... Good night's rest and look forward to meeting with you again tomorrow and uh, to this weekend together. And just like to to dedicate on really all of our behalf this time to to the welfare of each of you, to all of us and really that this work we do, this practice, this retreat be for our own well-being and for the well-being of, of others and for all beings, for all of life. And this is really very much at the heart of what we'll be doing here together. So that's that's my wish and aspiration. And uh, and in this time, may you all be well. A so good night. Sleep well. <coughs>